Welcome to The Last Thing I Saw. This is a can episode, as advertised. And for this episode, I'm very happy to be talking with a regular festival correspondent at, since I've, Venice, I guess, is the last time we chatted. And that is Jonathan Romney. Hello. Hi. How is it going? Well, <laughs> it does seem appropriate to be doing the last thing I saw because, you know, it's so hot and tiring here. You always feel in Cannes at some point, you know, you think that the next film you see will be the last thing you see. Uh, it's, it's exhausting. It's been a very odd festival because I don't think it's been a particularly good Cannes. It hasn't been a particularly mm. bad Cannes either, but mm. it's just slightly... You know, because of a new ticketing system, it's slightly less spontaneous than it used to be. You have to think several days ahead and then, you know, you always think you're about to leave when you realize you've got four more days to go. (laughs) Plus, the town isn't as kind of, you know, gently welcoming as it used to be. It's really kind of gone up market and everything's packed and the restaurants Mm -hmm. are generally flashier and more expensive than they used to be and the festival is definitely changing Hmm. quite crowded now by by, i thought like in a second week it sort of ramped up and the streets were just packed at all all times and it's baking and it's baking yeah Yeah. but uh there are a couple films that i'm I'm glad to talk about uh now because uh they kind of in the flood like mid mid festival hadn't had a chance yet and one of them is decision to leave the park chan wook film i'd have to say i thought this was one of his better in a while uh, what, what, did, what did you make of it yeah i mean i wouldn't say he's been off particularly i thought the handmaiden is an extraordinary film uh this is also an extraordinary film it's one of the films in competition that i would most like to see again for different reasons mm. you know one of those films is uh, Albert Serra's Pacifiction, which I unfortunately kept dozing off in, which is a real <laughs> hazard of Cannes, yeah. and partly because, you know, the atmosphere, uh, it's set in Tahiti, and it's got this very kind of somnolent, dreamy atmosphere, which yeah. was exactly the atmosphere in the very hot screening theatre. So I want to see it again, yeah. partly for that reason. Christian Munjo's Romanian drama RMN is another one, and it's very complex. It's politically pressing. I think it's a very, very fine film. Yeah. The Park Chinook I, w- I really want to see again, partly because it's so enjoyable. It's, it's visually very complex. Mm. I mean, in some ways, it's nothing extraordinary. It's a Hitchcockian neo-noir mm-hmm. about a cop who is sort of addicted to investigating crimes and addicted to murder and sudden death and becomes involved with the wife of a man who has been found dead and you know is she a femme fatale black widow what's really going on how does it affect him is she manipulating him and the way it plays out is really extraordinary because I've rarely seen a film that is so meticulously stylized you know not only is every shot superbly composed and 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 crammed with sometimes peripheral details that you think are going to reveal everything (laughs) and as soon as it's gone you you wish you'd looked more closely but every cut is extraordinary I mean the cutting between you know characters framed in the same position Mm -hmm. in the frame or the opposite position you know just just kind of little details and little tricks images appear disappear come back and you know it's something that you really have to pay attention to yeah and it's just very very 
ingeniously executed. I mean, it's yeah. real. You know, it, this is film as the watchmaker's art. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah I, I agree with that. It it really moves, and it has such a snap to it. There's no stopping it, and and there's it is a kind of a Hitchcockian mix. Also, just because of the sense of humor through it, you know, that there's a wink here, there's you know poking fun at things there, and also just kind of a mordant sense of humor to a lot of it because, yeah, he is a police investigator, and yeah, it just it also looks great. Like the, the colors are just you know really um, vivid, and he's finding new ways of like staging little bits of action and suspense. Yeah, and it, and it is very suspenseful, and also he's kind of playing games with us. It's like he's yeah. saying, oh, yeah, but you think this is Hitchcockian. I'll show you Hitchcockian. Yeah. You like Vertigo? <laughs> well, here's an amazing mountain climbing yeah. sequence. <laughs> yeah, that was, speaking of Vertigo, yeah, there's there's a fair amount of that in this film. Yeah, I think also when when it showed here, it was kind of a shot in the arm for a lot of people, too. Um, it'd be interesting to see what, what happens with it because, I, yeah, I don't think it can be dismissed out of hand just because the filmmaking is so strong and it's not like it's trying for some sort of profundity but it's i felt as engaged with it as anything else so yeah that's decision to leave which actually what was the title what does that mean again i'm trying to remember decision to leave i don't know i think it's something to do with the cops decision to leave his wife or their decision to leave the town or the femme fatale's decision to perhaps dispatch her husband. I kind of lost track of the title, but it's in there somewhere and it's kind of explained, but it clearly means a lot more than you necessarily think it does or or possibly means a lot less. Yeah, it's like, it's possibly the least exciting. It's the biggest mismatch between what a film is and the title of it. I don't know if you can hear honking, but we're on the usual terrace and I guess that's probably like a marital procession or something like that. Um, I don't think they... Or football related. Or football related, right. Yeah, one of the two. Or someone's married a footballer. It could be both. (laughs) The jackpot. So uh, for another film, I think we'll uh, journey into Uncertain Regard to talk about a Turkish film, Burning Days. Although just generally, I don't know if you want to say a word about Uncertain Regard, which I thought was a pretty interesting section this year. Yeah, it's also it, it always has some revelations. I saw less of it this year than I okay. usually do, but Burning Days by Emin Alper was absolutely uh, one of the highlights for me. I mean, I think it's it's one of the highlights of the festival. Mm. Um, I hadn't seen his previous films, but a really interesting Turkish director, again, with a great grip of style, and again in a neo-noir vein, but, but very differently. This one with a whiff of Chinatown about it because it's Ah. about the control of water supplies. So it's about a young man who arrives as the newly appointed state prosecutor in uh, a small town situated in a vast sun-baked, and I mean really sun-baked plain, you know, we can't even compare here. <laughs> right. um, and uh, because the, the, the water supplies come from draining the ground, this has caused um, the ground to collapse in sinkholes. Yes. So the first thing we see in the film is this huge crater which is sort of an astonishing image. And then, you know, you see that this is happening all over the region. Mm -hmm. So this young guy who's a kind of, you know, sort of smart but vulnerable sort of city slicker type (laughs) turns up, realizes that he's arrived in a very kind of macho culture where everyone's Mm -hmm. into firing guns and hunting boars. And he is entertained by the mayor 
who's a kind of populist strongman, right. and the mayor's son, and a phenomenally creepy dentist friend of his. I mean, you know, I would don't want to be disparaging, but you know, even by the standards of some dentists, this guy is creepy. <laughs> and they uh, they lay on a night's entertainment for him, yeah. and. The scene, because I was thinking this scene is kind of going on and on, you know, we mm -hmm. get the point, we get that, you know, he's different and they're slightly friendly but slightly menacing and, you know, behind the bonhomie yeah. is this kind of violence. But the fact that the scene goes on the way it does is then explained later in the film because everything leads back to this moment uh -huh. where they get him drunk on Raki <laughs> and then, you know, kind of perdition awaits. And there's a very mm -hmm. strong homoerotic theme which emerges gradually and it's about male violence and it's about patriarchy and populism and all the things that we yeah. are kind of interested in and <laughs> terrified about now. Um, so it's a very, very um, contemporary film. And I think, uh, I mean, it's a fantastic watch. It's really mm. entertaining. I mean, it's just one of the best sort of straight down the line thrillers I've seen recently. But, you know, no, I mean, no one makes straight down the line thrillers, right. but <laughs> it's a really strong you know, art house thriller that I, I think and I hope will get wider exposure because it's yeah. really just thoroughly entertaining and satisfying. Yeah. This is a movie that for one reason or another, I had to leave early. So now I'm all the more frustrated because <laughs> I would love to see how it unfolds after what I saw. But the, the sense of place felt more fresh than, you know, you might think, oh, yeah, the, the city slicker and the rural environs, we've seen that before, but already what I was seeing felt pretty fresh. And you, it makes you feel hot. You know, it's one of those <laughs> films, you know, forget Lawrence of Arabia. This is the one that will really make you you sweat and wish you'd had a change of shirt with you in the cinema. <laughs> yeah, that was, well, I, I, the, other, the other day I just uh, saw uh, Stars at Noon, which also is kind of a <laughs> sweaty movie. A sweat fest. A sweat fest as well. Well, to turn a, a very sharp corner and also talk about another uh, another slate of films at the festival, um, and that is in the Kanzen, because there's a movie there that I guess is entirely different from anything we've been talking about, really. Uh, I guess the English translation they have is The Super Eight Years. Yeah, so it's co-directed by the writer, novelist, French author Annie Ernaud mm -hmm. and her son, David Ernaud Briand. Okay. I, think I think I've got the net. And basically, it's a compilation of Super 8 films uh, shot by her late husband, his father, in the 1970s when families were doing Super 8 home movies. <laughs> so Annie Arnaud is, is known both as a novelist. I mean, one of her autobiographical books, Happening, was adapted yeah. as the film that won the um, the main prize in Venice last mm -hmm. year. And, you know, she's often written autobiographically, but in novelistic form. This is most closely related to a book of hers called The Years, which is a memoir, but it's a kind of memoir of a generation. It's about, you know, this is what was happening to me in the 50s and the 60s, but mm -hmm. this was a time when my generation was listening to this particular music or driving mm -hmm. this kind of car or yeah. sitting in this kind of furniture and this film is about uh, how people were using Super 8 mm -hmm. at the time, how they were mapping their lives, how they were depicting themselves, how they were using it to understand the world mm -hmm. and one of the things that's interesting about it is it starts at a moment when her, her two sons are very young, their father is doing most of the shooting so we see Annie Arnaud in her 30s 
at a time when she's still hoping that her first novel will be published. Mm-hmm. And so it shows her before she's a writer and then it shows her when she's a writer, but above all, you know, it shows her as a member of this family mm. and we get a sense of how that informs her writing. I mean, very much her family has, has fed her writing all the way through. Yeah. But it's also a kind of disquisition on the nature of family togetherness, how the family re- mm-hmm. relates to the world, how images depict the family and how they depict the world. Um, you know, as a left-wing family of the period, mm-hmm. they go to Chile when uh, Allende was um, in power Um, and it's a very poignant sense of a culture you know we see them there we see the landmarks we see the kids in the streets a culture that's just about to be crushed Um, they also visit communist era Albania so there really is a sense of you know kind of great curiosity about the world and it's something that you know it stands very much on its own as a film but at the same time, it's very much a sort of outcrop of her overall mm. writing project. And it's very beautiful and it's very eloquent mm-hmm. and elegant and thought provoking. It's an hour long. So, I mean, it may have trouble being, you know, more widely shown, but uh, it's something that uh, anyone, you know, remotely interested in Anierno or remotely interested in contemporary French culture, yeah. absolute must to see. It would be a shame if it did not get some form of distribution because, I mean, the more I think about the movie, it, the more I turn it over in my head since I've seen it. I mean, it's really one of the highlights of the festival for me. In a way, it's very unassuming. I think part of that is almost the style of the voiceover, which is this sort of muted <laughs> voiceover. But the actual like skill and deftness with which it compresses time and with which it, it distills insights that's not easy. <laughs> and even at just, you know, 60 minutes or whatever, 67 minutes, it's it's still extremely impressive. And then if you add to that the fact that it's sort of almost a form of uh, ventriloquism because she's using someone else's footage, footage that her husband shot completely seamlessly. I mean, what I, I wish I could add the editor's name here because um, the flow of it is, is, is natural and eloquent without like drilling things home. And it's very clever because, you know, she comments on the images, but there are moments when her commentary drops out. Mm-hmm. And for example, when they're in Spain watching a bullfight, you realize yeah, that yeah. what you're actually seeing is a representation of the breakdown of her marriage. Yes. Um, and it's very, it's very revealing, but in a kind of beautiful, really thoughtful way. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. It's true. The way she's able to move in and out. And it's with a dexterity that I guess is in, in, in her in her writing as well. And it's not always the case that it'll translate when you're you're doing it. You know, I mean, I don't want to like invoke someone like Chris Marker, but just in the sense of moving in and out of like a sp- specific and general and philosophical and generational. It's really impressive. And honestly, a lot of times these kind of like generational reflections or statements, they feel kind of like stuffy. I mean, I don't know if it's partly that it's like often like a middle aged male leftist perspective. <laughs> it can get kind of ins- insufferable. Like, I feel like I've heard enough of 68 at this point. <laughs> so uh, to hear her like really rich commentary on the world, her life, and as you're saying, she's waiting for her first book to be published. So it's at this really kind of pivotal and, and, and vulnerable moment was just, just terrific. Yeah, she is a wonderful writer and the great thing yeah. about her she does have this subtlety and this almost complete rejection of rhetoric yeah she's very very straightforward but Mm -hmm. what she writes has a real depth and you know partly because she's very in contact with her own experience and ways of ways of describing it to the world yeah there's the kind of suppleness of the insights and the personal experience in it you know a a lot of people should see this film and read her books i'm not as up on, on her books so 
um, I'm not at all like partisan in that way either. You know, I really liked really liked this movie, which is somewhat unheralded if you were not like seeing her name on it. But yeah, that's the Super 8 Years, and that's in the Kanzen. Is there anything else? There's a really nice last-minute discovery, which is a film called The Blue Kaftan, a Moroccan film by Mariam Tuzani, who made a film called Adam and has also collaborated with the uh, director Nabil Ayush, who also has co-written this one. So it's, it's really beautiful. It's the story of a couple in late middle age, uh, Moroccan tailors. They run a shop specializing in handmade kaftans. Mm-hmm. And he is a master tailor. I, th- I believe he's called a malam or a malem. Oh, yeah. And he sits in the back room, you know, spinning these perfect threads. Everything is handmade. Yeah. And they get the materials and they're, they're beautifully rich. And you see the materials close up, these silks and satins and mm. fabulous colors and, you know, golden embroidery. So it's a real sort of aesthetic delight. Yeah. So the couple have been running this shop and obviously, you know, the world of handmade artisanship is, you know, running on hard times. Everything takes a long time to make and their customers are getting annoyed and all the apprentices they've had are not really dedicated and they walk off. And now there's a new young guy who comes to the shop and seems to be absolutely committed to the tailoring craft. Mm -hmm. But the husband is living a closeted gay life. And, you know, is clearly attracted to this very beautiful young man. And the thing is, it's, it's a film about a couple that, even though they don't have, they don't seem to have sexual compatibility, are absolutely devoted, yeah. loving partners. And it's very warm and it's very beautiful. And she's very, the wife is very understanding about the trips he makes to the hammam where he has these meetings with guys behind closed doors. But then she becomes deeply suspicious about mm-hmm. his feelings for this young apprentice. It's really, you know, it's a non-judgmental film in the very best way. And it's a film about, you know, tolerance and understanding. But on a real level, the idea that you understand the people around you and understand what they need and what they're living with and there's a real tenderness I mean she's going through a serious health crisis and he's mm. a very kind of tender and solicitous partner I mean I'm, I'm kind of making it all sound very sort of warm and cozy <laughs> but I mean it's a deeply moving film mm-hmm. in just the way that it deals with you know kind of the everyday like how you run a shop and how mm. you keep your customers happy and yeah. who's in charge of what and you know he does the work in the back room but she is front of house she's the manager yeah. she's tough she can be kind of you know have a hard edge with with difficult customers mm-hmm. and she's played by Lubna Zabal and it's a fantastic performance mm-hmm. you know with a real kind of warmth and tenderness to it and it's just a beautifully made film and it's one of those films which clearly have absolute sort of crossover potential mm-hmm. because it's one of those things that you know, someone says to you, well, well, you know, are there any foreign language films you recommend? And you say, <laughs> well, see this one, because it, it's, it's beautifully executed with a real kind of polish to it, mm-hmm. but with authenticity and integrity and craft and heart and totally grown up and totally emotional, emotionally satisfying. No kind of bogus rhetoric again, you know, whatsoever. It's yeah. just, you know, perfect in what it does. No, there's a real, like practicality to how it deals with emotions which gives it an emotional intelligence really 
So uh, that's one more under the wire, uh, Blue Kaftan, uh, Mariam Tuzani. And I think we can probably wrap things up there. And I don't know if you want to just lob a single title as a Palm d'Or prediction. Uh, okay, my bet for the Palm d'Or. Actually, I don't know. <laughs> I would, I, if, if it were me, yeah. <laughs> if it were my decision, and it never is, uh, I, would, I would vote for RMN because it's a really important film in, you know, in what it says about the state of Europe. It's about mm-hmm. racism. It's about, yeah. you know, the mountain atmosphere of hostility and hatred which just seems to have become part of our life you know not just in Europe but globally but also it's very 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 clever polished filmmaking and it shows uh, Christian Munju you know previous Palm Door winner just becoming more sophisticated and complex as he goes along Christian Munju won it for four months Three weeks and two days, which was the film that didn't strictly kickstart the Romanian new wave because we'd had the death of Mr. Lazarescu right. the year but before. It but it's the one that made people go, "Oh God, yeah, there is a Romanian new yeah, wave." Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, and that was a great film. And and this is this is quite different, and it's it's yeah, bigger in scope. It's got a huge cast, and it's more mysterious because there's a lot more stuff. Yeah, you know, in it that. You don't quite know what's going on. There's some mysterious stuff going on with people in bear yeah. costumes, uh, <laughs> which is something to see. Yeah, um, it's a really fascinating film. Yeah, well, I I wouldn't argue with that. Uh, again, in my complete total lack of control over any of these. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's we'll wrap up there. Um, and Jonathan, thank you again. Pleasure as always. Thank you. Bon voyage. You've been listening to the last thing I saw with your host Nicholas Rapold please consider signing up at rapold.substack.com. Special thanks to the Minarets for the opening music. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.